Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot. Oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman, PK, and George Lugo. And we have a special guest we're going to start the show with tonight, Carrie Cannon, and our enormous, enormous food guest tonight. This show, is I can't tell you how excited we all are about it, because... This is something we rarely get a chance to talk about, but it's so powerful. It's so exciting. It's so interesting. We have Guion Raven here with us tonight to talk about the magic of food. So this is going to be exciting and fun. You're going to hear about recipes, spells, all kinds of things to do with food. Guion's our expert, and he's joining us tonight in just a few minutes. But first, we are going to start with Carrie Cannon. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Patricia. It's great to be here. I'm so happy. (laughs) Well, I'm just so glad because you are going to give everybody here a huge gift. So our listening audience tonight is getting an enormous gift, and everything's big tonight, so an enormous gift because you are going to do a consciousness alignment for all of us to receive Mm -hmm. angels Mm -hmm. and miracles. Perfect time of Mm -hmm. year for that. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So. We're going to start with you, so you can go for it, and then please okay. go ahead after you're done and tell people how to get a hold of you and what you are offering at this time of year. Okay, perfect, awesome. Thank you so very much, Patricia, and everybody else, um, and thank you for your continued support. It's just it's just awesome and amazing. Um, so for those of you who are listening, if you've never heard of consciousness alignment before, um, it's a little outside of the box. And um, all you need to do is receive. So this is not really law of attraction work. It's more your ability to receive. And the way that you receive a consciousness alignment, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to align your consciousness to be able to receive miracles and have angelic uh, guidance and help from now through the rest of your life. And um, everybody would like more help. (laughs) And uh, to receive a consciousness alignment, what you need to do is you just need to be present and listen to my words. So no chasing around toddlers, no washing dishes. Uh, You need to be present and listen to me. And while you're doing that, you need to say yes to yourself. Because what that does is it activates your free will. And it also allows the universe to know that you are open and um, accepting of uh, changes being made on your behalf. So, um, here we go. Hold on, let me just ground myself. And here we go. 
divine consciousness that lives in, through, and as me, and is the voice that speaks and the ear that hears. Thank you for gifting this person with the assistance of an army of 10,000 angels to help them in manifesting their goals, ambitions, and deepest desires of their heart now. Thank you for enfolding this person in a richness that is fulfilling, where they feel divinely supported through the rest of their life here on planet Earth. Now, thank you for sending them an army of angels, helpers, ancestors, and guides to assist in the manifestation of miracles for this person this holiday season. This person has a challenge that they have been working with that has been with them for a long time. And whether they are aware, are aware of this challenge or not, Thank you for releasing this person now from this personal challenge across all time, space, dimension, and reality now. Thank you for releasing this person from any limiting thoughts, stories, genetic and energetic inheritances, curses, parasites, contributing factors, or beliefs that may be interfering with their hopes, dreams, and goals now, going down their mother's side of the family and their father's side of the family, going back 10,000 generations so that they have released anything in the way of their realizing a profound miracle this holiday season. Thank you for imprinting this person with a new inherited consciousness from 10,000 generations of their family lineage that is clear and unencumbered permanently and forevermore across all time, space, dimension, and reality now. Thank you for already sending this person an army of angelic helpers across all time, space, dimension, and reality now who will remain with them for the rest of their life here on planet Earth and is also assigned to all future generations of this person's lineage now. Thank you for blessing this person with the gift of an unexpected miracle or miracles that are specific to this person's desires now across all time, space, dimension, and reality now. Thank you, it is already done. Thank you, it is already done now. Thank you for materializing this miraculous manifestation in a way that this person cannot miss, they cannot explain away or justify now. Thank you for delivering this miraculous gift to this person in such a way that they know that it is a miracle. And thank you for exponentially improving this person's life circumstance across all time, space, dimension, and re reality now as a result of this positive, life-transforming, miraculous manifestation. Thank you, it's already done. Thank you, it's already done now. Thank you for sending this person an army of angels now who always assist this person in realizing the grandest version of the greatest vision they have ever had for themselves. And thank you for empowering these angelic helpers to assist this person now and forevermore through the rest of their life here on planet Earth to fulfill their dreams and desires always abiding by this person's wishes and orchestrating miraculous meetings, coincidences, and surprises that empower this person to feel their life just keeps getting better and better and they are fully supported. Thank you for making the continued miraculous manifestation of this person's greatest life an easy and effortless process whereby they know beyond any doubt that they are helped in miraculous ways the rest of their life here on planet Earth. Thank you for continuing with this angelic gift of miraculous assistance moving forward now and forevermore, now and forevermore through this, entire, this person's entire life and their lineage. Thank you, it's already done. Thank you, it's already done now. Thank you, it's already done now. And so it is. Okay, take a deep breath. And let it all out. Take another deep breath. 
and push it all out. Okay. That was great, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you for doing this for our audience tonight and for all of us here on the show. Oh, my gosh. Now, please tell people how they can get a hold of you and what you're offering for this holiday season. Okay. So this holiday season, and um, I was talking about this with Patricia, so I just kind of decided to do – it's going to be a secret. It's not going to be advertised on my website. So those of you who hear me or are on my email list – will hear of it, but it's not going to be advertised. So um, for anyone who is either a new or existing member of the One Year Manifesting Miracles program, I am offering three private consciousness alignments, which are an hour long each, for the price of one. Um, This is only available to people who are members of the One Year Manifesting Miracles program. The package of three consciousness alignments is normally $500, but through the secret holiday sale, uh, simply register for the single consciousness alignment, which is 250, and then write a note that you heard about it um, through Supernatural Girls, and you would like the three for one. Um, you must be a member of the One Year Manifesting Miracles program, and just go ahead and register for the one package, the package of one, and give me the note, and I will sign you up for three. So if you're not a member of the Manifesting Miracles program, go to commandmiracles.com. And you can sign up for that there. Again, that's commandmiracles.com. And uh, then when you register for the uh, private consciousness alignment, the single one, send me a note and I will put you down for three. And then I'll send you a link to my calendar so we can get started right away. Oh, terrific. Carrie, thank you again <laughs> so much. You're offering our audience a great gift in so many ways. And you can continue to, uh, again, Rewind this if you're listening to the podcast and listen to this consciousness alignment again. So it doesn't have to be a live demonstration for you to benefit. Carrie, thanks again. We really appreciate you, you offering this you tonight. So what a gift. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. So, PK, on to you. And yes. you found there's some 12s in our future here <laughs> well what i was talking about earlier today is on december 12th year 1212 we are going to have the last full moon of the year and it will take place at 1212 on 1212 how about that cool yeah so very cool yeah it's the most incredible alignment that we've had in a lifetime the 12th of january will be some information will be coming there at that point in time also so there's a lot of things coming, people, and it's going to be very interesting to see because we're given gifts when we find that this full moon circle is taking place around us at this time because the 12 is a 3, which deals with creativity and communications, and it just happens that the universe is in a 12 personal year. So we've got all these 12s, which is all about creativity, and all have a luck factor to it. So let's take a good look and hope. Tomorrow is going to be one fabulous day. All right. Lucky day. That yeah. sounds wonderful. That's great. Oh, it has to follow through yeah. like I know it's supposed to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, if people want a numerology reading with you, PK, they can go to patriciakirkman.com, and they can also go to supernaturalgirls with a Z.com to find you and make their own private appointment. 
And we also have our wonderful co-host, George Lugo, with us, a very famous psychic medium who we love to work with, the best in the world. And, George, you can be found at crystalgatereadings.com, right? That's correct. Yeah, he can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Best of the best. Can I say something? Yeah, Yeah. I just talked about people and receiving... um, uh, you know, I'm a medium, so for the listeners, I'm a medium. And so, you know, souls are always around us, all of us. Even if you don't believe, they're there. Believe me, they're there. And when you think of them, that's like a signal to them. When you put love into it, you usually get a sign or you usually get a feeling. And spirits don't usually, you know, hit you directly. They they do it by not allowed to help you like directly, directly. Like if you want a million bucks, they don't just throw it in your lap. But they may uh, create an opportunity for you to take it. They can lead you to things. It's up to you to take it. Mm-hmm. So you just got to remember that. Also, um, for instance, I have a, uh, a client. Um, this guy's a multimillionaire, travels all over the world, does all this stuff. And he was very close to his mother. He misses his mom a lot, still even. And she's always giving him signs. So I helped him to understand what to look for and how to uh, deal with it when it happens because he wasn't really sure. For instance, his mother and uh, himself, they used to travel on this sailboat all over the world. And there's a long schooner type thing, this big boat, sailboat. Anyway, he was visiting me out here where I live, and we were walking at the end of this road where there's a great big uh, marina. And his mom was from um, his mom was from Argentina, or she lived in Argentina, and um, and a lot of his life was spent there. So we were walking along the dock, and I said, "Hey, listen, is that the boat? Is that kind of like the boat that your mother used to have?" And he looked at it and he says, "Yeah, it's the same brand, and everything, but my mother's boat was maybe another 20 feet longer." And I said, "Wow, that was a huge sailboat." And um, and so I'm standing there looking at this sailboat, and he's standing there just kind of looking around. And I look between my hands on the rail, and it said Argentina on it. Somebody scribbled the word Argentina on it. And I said, wow. hey, listen, here's a perfect example of your mother around you communicating with you. And, and he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, we got drawn here. We're looking at the sailboat that you were talking about earlier, and and look at this rail but it says, and he saw that, and his eyes just welled up. And I said, just say, you know, I love you too, Mom. That's all you got to say. So sometimes they're kind of like that, you know. Um, <laughs> so just, you know, look out for the signs. They're always trying to communicate with us. And anytime you receive great. a gift from them, anytime you receive a gift from them, say thank you. Say it in the physical world. You know, thank you too, Mom. I love you for that. And because that keeps the door open for them in the physical world to continue to help you any way they can. So that's it. So I wanted that's to say. That's great, George. Thank you <laughs> very for sharing that. George. Yeah, you, very welcome. good. Very helpful. Thank so you. So we're just going to do a very short. See until next, uh, next week. Pardon? I was just talking to Patricia. I said, do we want to postpone talking about Nancy until next week? Yeah, let's let's give Nancy a break until next week. I was nice to see with this I wanted to make sure you had enough time for our guest. I know. We're just jabbering on here, and I'm dying to get to our guest, Guion. But first, I just have to mention, 
We do have some enormous enormous. I'm into the big stuff tonight. We've got some big stories on Facebook. You've got to check them out. One of them is about DNA. Now, this one just blew my mind. This is a man who had a transplant, a bone marrow transplant, okay? And then they checked his DNA after the transplant. Well, they checked it before. They checked it after. Guess what? He now has the DNA of the person he got the bone marrow transplant from. That's amazing. He has the complete DNA all the way down to his sperm, everything. So if he has a child now, he's going to be passing on the DNA of the German donor that gave him the bone marrow transplant. So this is pretty wild stuff. And you have to ask the question, of course, is this true for all bone marrow transplants? Are there, is their DNA changed, transformed like this so completely? This is an incredible story. And now that we have the technology to check before and after, I'm sure we're going to be hearing about this some more. But, my God, it's like this person disappeared and this other person, this person's DNA took over. So. Great That'd be story. very strange. To, yeah, that's a great story. And it's on our Facebook page. So everybody go take a look. Make sure you're liking and following us and on Twitter as well. And we have all kinds of UFO stories, as usual. They are just multiplying exponentially, which is very interesting. So go take a look there, and you'll be able to see some videos, some photos, some firsthand experiences. It's, it's all right there on Supernatural Girls on Facebook. So let's get to our guest. Oh, my gosh, what a book. Now, I think, my personal opinion, this book, The Magic of Food, is going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. This book is phenomenal. It is written by our guest, Guion Raven, and he has covered every aspect of food and magic in this book. It's a great read. He's got recipes. Now, who is Guion Raven? He is a practicing witch and ritualist with the Reclaiming Tradition. He's been with that tradition since 2003. And he's also taught Reclaiming Core classes, week-long witch camps, and embodied devotional work. Now, he also co-owns a metaphysical store called Milk and Honey, and he writes for witches and pagans and a Patheos pagan block called, I love this title, The Witches Next Door. You can find him at guionraven.com, and he's here tonight. Guion, welcome to the show. So great to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. This is an amazing book, and I'm a big foodie. I know, PK, you are too, and George, you are as oh, well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Carrie, you yep. too. I mean, we, yes. we just we love all kinds of exotic foods, and... You have, I've never seen a book like this before. I don't think there's anything else like this out there. I think you've really just just hit on something that is so interesting. So how did you get into all of this? Well, you know, when I was born, somebody put food in my mouth, and ever since I've been fascinated with food. It's, you know, it's something (laughs) we do most of our lives. So it was an easy topic to look into. And you were born where? You were in, in England, right? Yeah, I was born uh, in southeast London, and then I spent southeast most London. of my uh, younger years in, in London and in Kent. And Kent um, is, 
the, the food basket of England. So it's, it's a huge food producing region and has been for thousands upon thousands of years. So I think I, I grew up around hop fields and uh, strawberry patches and blackberry hedgerows and things like that. So I think food quite literally is in my blood, you know. It is, and it's interesting because when I talk to people about food in England, they usually don't have a lot of good things to say. But you, you have a completely different experience. Well, you know, I think uh, there was a, a real low light, uh, low period in the British culinary cooking. It was short. It lasted from about um, the fourth century till about uh, about two years ago. So <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of boiled soups, uh, uh, you know, a thousand years or so. Fortunately, things are changing. And what's really lovely is a lot of cooks and chefs and home cooks are really beginning to discover and rediscover a lot of regional dishes that sort of disappeared or were on the verge of disappearing. And, and those dishes are coming back. One of the other wonderful things about England and, and Britain in general is that much like the U.S., it's, it's a melting pot. There's lots of cultures that come together from Europe and, and the rest of the world uh, that, that meet in England and their foods and spices and, and food values of, of all uh, played a part in shaping English food in, in one form or another. So, um, yeah, it's a very exciting time in England when it comes to food. That's good news. Good mm-hmm. news for all the tourists, too. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now, you're talking about the marriage of magic and food, which is so exciting to all of us. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we live in just a, it feels like somebody pressed the fast forward button on the video player and everything's moving so quickly. How do we find the time to do some of these wonderful dishes that you write about and have great recipes for in the book? And, I mean, how do we find the time to actually do this, to enjoy yeah, it, the I way you write is, about it? Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I think I agree with you. Uh, the world is moving at an ever faster pace. Uh, we've got phones in our hands and devices on our wrists. And, you know, we're plugged in and wired in, in a thousand different ways. But I still think there's, there's a moment even if you're in your car at the fast food drive through and you're driving from one appointment to another or one practice to another, but there's still a moment when you pull into the fast food restaurant and they hand you that hot steaming bag of delicious warm French fries or whatever it is that you've got, and there's a moment when you can smell it. And there's a moment when you tear open that bag and that amazing smell wafts up and you reach in and you can feel the, the hot French fries and you put them in your mouth. There's still that moment of magic and connection. And even in a drive through you can take a moment to say, this moment is magic. This moment is sacred. And even if it's French fries from a fast food restaurant, they're still sustaining you. They're still 
some nutritional value. There's still comfort when you eat those foods, even in that moment when you're getting ready to get back on the freeway and drive wherever you're going, there's that moment where you can say, thank you. There's a moment when you can reflect on the lowly potato and think about how it's transformed food over, you know, thousands of years now and in Europe for about 500 years. Um, There's always a moment where you can practice magic. And, you know, in the book, there are some recipes that absolutely take a little bit of time. There's a, there's a bone broth recipe that can take up to 24 hours if you want to make it go that long, eight hours on the short end. But there's also recipes in the book that take five or ten minutes. It's a lot less about the preparation and more about the intention. What is it that you bring to the food that you're about to eat? And what can that food bring to you in the moment that you eat it? Um, so I think that's, that's one way that we can play with time. It doesn't always have to be a long time in the cooking to be um, potent and powerful. Well, you bring up another very valuable point, which is the intent as we prepare food. Because a lot of times we're, again, in a rush, we get it out of the way, and then we're on to the next thing. So it really makes a difference with your consciousness when you have a certain intent and you're cooking. And instead of being distracted and being rushed, you have a different level of consciousness as you're cooking. So can you talk to us about that and, and what you can recommend and suggest? Absolutely. So I'm going to give you the example of chicken soup. Now, it doesn't matter whether you buy a a can of your favorite brand and pop it open and put it into a saucepan or whether you buy um, a a really nice uh, soup from a shop or whether you spend a little bit of time making your own stock and and putting together your own chicken. But we'll use the example of, of chicken soup. Now, When we say chicken soup, most people instantly think of, if you're not feeling very well, maybe I'll make somebody a nice chicken soup. It's got a lot of healing properties in it. And there's some really good science behind why chicken soup is good for you. And believe it or not, there are still a few mysteries. Science can't quite figure out um, some of the reasons that chicken soup is good for you, but they know that it is. But if you have a... (laughs) If you have a sick relative or you're not feeling well yourself and you can make this chicken soup, all you have to do is take your spoon and as you stir that food, think about the nourishing vegetables and think about the deep soil perhaps that they grew in and the amazing wisdom that this planet has. I don't know how a carrot grows. I know that if I put it in some dirt and I make sure there's enough water and there's enough sunlight, it does grow. But I couldn't tell you exactly how it grows. That's quite miraculous. That is magical to think that plants know how to grow, that they can photosynthesize the energy of the sun and turn it into nutrients that feed our body. That is really amazing. And if you contemplate that when you stir the food and think, I want all of the nutrients all of the goodness, all of the wisdom that's contained in these herbs and spices and potatoes and this nice thick broth, 
I'm going to stir in my little bit of wisdom. I'm going to stir in my intention that whoever it is that eats this wonderful soup will be healed. You'll transform that soup from a collection of herbs and spices and ingredients into a magical brew, into a magical potion. We all know that what we think we become, we all know that what we eat shows up in our bodies every day. So why not mix in a little magic? Let's raise our consciousness and um, stir in goodness and love and healing and health and really let that infuse the meal just as a pinch of salt or a dash of oregano might do. That's excellent. That's the way I see it. You know, yeah, I, I always put in, I always put in tent, you know, and like for me, cooking is always a celebration. It's never a, a chore. You know, I, I love creating and I love the outcome, but I always say never eat from an angry cook. <laughs> the same thing, you know? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, exactly that, which you just said is perfect. Yeah. Something to live by. It really is. I have a funny story. I was chatting with a, a, a good chef friend of mine and she's a real mentor of mine amazing cook and I was saying this idea of you know how we mix love into our food and and she says well that's important too but I want to taste the cook's passion I want to taste the cook's um, reason for getting up at five o'clock in the morning and cooking that food if I want to eat a meal if I'm cooking a meal for a, a, a lover or somebody that I hope might be a lover. I want to mix a little passion in there. Love can wait a little bit. Let's mix a little lust and passion into that meal. And and I think that's true as well. <laughs> but yeah. if we really look at why we're making a meal, why we're preparing food for somebody, you know, let's bring some of that uh, to what we're cooking. I think it makes the food taste better when we can taste our, our passion. So, yeah, I don't want to eat from an angry cook either. But I do love eating from passionate cooks. Absolutely. (laughs) We're all getting very hungry here. So (laughs) that's also what your your book does. Because I'll tell you what, I don't know how you all feel about this, but I'm interested to hear if you do. Food today tastes so different than what I remember as a kid. It's like... Uh, I don't know. I, it just doesn't seem to have the wealth of of awareness, consciousness, love. It. I know it takes somebody with consciousness to to work with food in the manner you're discussing. But the food tastes different to me. Does it taste different to any of you too? And I don't absolutely. Mean it this way. I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. I used to have a big victory garden uh, when I lived in Los Angeles and uh, grew everything under the sun. And I had this carpenter come to my house, and he was a Native American, and he saw my garden, and he saw these squash blossoms. And I didn't even know what they were called. So he he says, can I make you a squash blossom dish? And he was so excited that this was just purely organic, you know, just right out of the ground, from seeds, and he made me the most wonderful um, Squash blossoms, he'd like, you know, put them through an egg wash and seasoning and fry them in a pan, and they were excellent. So, mm. you know, he recognized 
the rawness of the whole thing. And they gave him a basket to take with him. He picked a lot of the things out of the garden and was very happy about it. So, yeah, that's what food should taste like. Now it's all, you know, genetic, genetically altered and it's or losing it. Same anymore. Yeah. It may look alike, that? but it certainly doesn't taste yeah. alike. Everything's yeah. uniform and looks perfect, you know, but it doesn't really have the nutritional value anymore. And it tastes different. It does. It's really true. Strawberries today. They're nowhere near what they used to taste like. Right. Yeah, there was a richness yeah. that's missing. However, I bet if we ate at Guion's house, we would feel differently, right, Guion? Because I know we know you're a fabulous <laughs> cook. Well, <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to come to your house. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, we'd have a and smile on our face. Anytime, come on by. <laughs> now, you do you know, cook it, it, for it, your family pretty frequently then. Just about every night, yeah. Every just about night. every wow. night, wow. Yeah, and and generally I cook from scratch. Now, you know, I'm going to say that, and somebody's going to take a picture of me and post it online of me going through a drive-through somewhere. It's true. I do still eat at <laughs> restaurants, <laughs> and right, I I am absolutely going to eat whatever my body is in the mood for in the moment. But yeah, I do cook probably probably five to six nights a week, and generally. Uh, as much as possible from scratch. I'm glad you brought up the thing about, um, you know, going through a drive-through and eating that way, but still kind of put a blessing into it or, you know, the nutritional value, appreciate it. And that's really important in in this kind of world we live in, that you actually do that. So thank you for saying that because that's how I feel about it too, if I got to eat you that know, way. I, it's true. I think, you know, if, if – um, if it were possible, I'm sure that everybody would love to eat clean, sustainable, organic, locally raised food. And unfortunately, that's just not the reality for most folks, whether it's because of finances or where somebody lives. You know, there are huge deserts in the United States and in other countries, but there are huge deserts in the United States that are called food deserts where you can drive for hundreds of square blocks and you'll find every fast food outlet, but you won't find a grocery store that's selling fresh produce. And so, you know, it would be very judgmental for me to look at what somebody has in their pantry or the food that they can afford to bring home and feed their family and say, well, that's not really good for you. I think it's important to remember that all food is sacred. You know, even uh, even a Twinkie, uh, although it may not be the most nutritionally sound thing for you, if I put you on a desert island for 90 days and I gave you a couple boxes of Twinkies, uh, as long as you could drink a little bit of fresh water and eat those Twinkies, you'd survive. And I think that's one of the things that really plays into the magic of food, and that is without food, we cease to exist. So when we eat, we're literally affirming life. Whether we're feeding on vegetables or you know nuts or grains or whether we're somebody that eats meat and other kinds of proteins, uh, we're literally, every time we eat, we are sustaining our life. And so what that also means is that every time somebody cooks for you, 
whether that's a beloved grandmother that's making, you know, the, the family favorite recipe, or whether that's a, a minimum wage cook in a fast food restaurant and everything in between, the work that they do, the labor that they do sustains your life. And it's amazing when we think about that. When I cook for people, what I'm actually saying is I love you, I care about you, and I want you to continue on in as healthy fashion as possible. And I don't know any greater magic. I've been practicing magic for many, many, many years now, and I don't know a greater magic than keeping the people that I care about well-fed and alive. It's amazing magic when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely is. Now, in Add your a little book, look, that's what it's all yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Now, in your, in now your, are you a, tra- I was going to ask you, if you're like a trained culinary chef, or did you learn all this on your own, like from your grandmother, your mother? How did you go about <laughs> this? That's a, a bit of a winding story. So mm-hmm. um, my mother would be the first person to tell you that she is a terrible cook. She has literally <laughs> burned water. <laughs> so, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, always found a way to make sure there was food on the table, right, so that I could grow up. Um, both of my grandmothers were uh, around during World War Two and the rationing that happened during World War Two, uh, And so they really instilled in me the idea that no food goes to waste, that you can make stocks and, and soups out of just about anything that's left in the, in the pantry, in the fridge, wherever you keep your food. Um, there was always uh, something cooking, something bubbling, something being baked. Uh, that was the way that they uh, provided, uh, one of the ways that they provided for uh, my uncles and, and um, my other relatives. And uh, when, I, when I was fairly young, I began to travel around Europe, and I discovered all these other flavors. I remember the first time I was in Spain. I was about eight years old, and I had a paella for the first time. And mm-hmm. I was, oh, my gosh, I've never tasted <laughs> food like that. Again, you know, I was eating boiled carrots and mashed potatoes, right. you know. So uh, the first time I had saffron and, and red chili peppers and, mm-hmm. and this amazing bounty from the sea, I was completely swept up and I was fascinated with food. And then where I grew up in, in London, there were lots of families from different areas. There were folks that had moved to England from Cyprus and from Turkey. There were folks from um, the West Indies. There were folks from India and Pakistan. So there were these smells everywhere of different spices and different foods that were completely different from what I was eating. And so when I'd go over to a friend's home, we might sit on the floor and eat out of a communal pot with our hands. I might go to another friend's house and have jerk chicken, might go to another friend's house and, and have a, a, a lovely kebab. So I was fascinated with food 
when I was younger. And then when I moved to the U.S., <laughs> one of my favorite stories, there was a family that lived next door. And they were uh, from Mexico. And they uh, all lived in the U.S. for many years, except for the grandmother, who only spoke Spanish. And every Sunday, they would invite me over because I would, I would play. They had two kids that were about my age, and so we'd play together. And they'd invite me over on a Sunday for uh, a big lunch. And I didn't speak Spanish. And the abuelita, the grandmother, had a rule that on Sundays, only Spanish was spoken in the house because she wanted to preserve that with her children and grandchildren. Oh, why? So I learned how to speak Spanish around the food table because if I wanted anything, I had to point to it and then somebody else at the table would tell me what it was. So I learned to speak dinner table Spanish. Uh, and then as I grew up, yeah, it was great. Um, and again, there was a whole new sort of flavor profile and, and watching the abuelita cook uh, was fascinating. And then um, uh, as many teenagers do uh, and young adults do, uh, I went, uh, I started working at restaurants and fell in love with food that way. And then I moved out and all of a sudden there was no grandmother, no mother, no, no one to cook for me. And I thought, well, I better learn how to do this. And so I began cooking uh, for myself and then uh, ultimately for my family. So um, I have over the years had the amazing luck to work with many, many kitchen witches and chefs and cooks and folks that understand that um, that cookery is a is another form of witchcraft. That's great. Oh my! Just well, we're going to take a very short break and come back and continue this wonderful conversation. We are speaking tonight, everybody, with Guion Raven. He is the author of a fabulous new book. Tell everybody about it because it's great. It's called The Magic of Food. And it is not available for sale yet except through pre-order. You can pre-order the book with Amazon.com on Guion's website, guionraven.com. And you definitely should get it because it is a tremendous book and it's going to bring your consciousness about food to a whole new level. So stay tuned, everybody. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Pure essential oils, specialized minerals, and a revolutionary anti-aging technology. Astridian combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy-to-use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations. There are a lot of psychics out there. How do you decide which one is right for you? 
you look for someone who empowers you, who's practical and spiritually connected, who says, here are your opportunities, here are your challenges, and here's a way to deal with them, and then gives you your own toolbox to make your life everything you want it to be. Hi, I'm Corby Mitleid, and that's how I work with you. As a certified professional tarot reader, I've helped thousands of people for over 40 years through my toolbox. Cards, past life retrieval, numerology, spirit guide conferences, and mediumship. Whether it's career, relationships, finances, or your spiritual road, together we can replace your confusion with clarity. And you'll probably find a little laughter along the way. Visit me at CorbyMitlide.com to find out how to cross your bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. And tell me you found me at Supernatural Girls for a special gift with your reading. Corby Mitlide, the practical psychic for catching your tomorrows today. Find me at CorbyMitlide.com. That's CorbyMitlide.com. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, People have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles library of consciousness alignments, go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's commandmiracles.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-hosts, PK and George Lugo. Carrie Cannon is also joining us. And our amazing guest tonight, Gwion Raven, who's written a great book, The Magic of Food. We have so much more to talk about. You, in your book, Gwion, you talk about the history of food, and you go through different countries and mythology and... Oh, my goodness, there's just a wealth of information, and plus your fabulous recipes. 
you also have spells in there. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I wouldn't be a very good witch if I didn't know how to do spells, right? So that's a, that's a, a, <laughs> that's a big part of it. And really, when we think about spells, some folks are unfamiliar with that, might even be scared by that term. And if you think about, you know, in different traditions, you might have a blessing or you might have um, uh, sacred devotional acts that you do that bring about change. Some people might call that prayer. Spells, in many cases, are exactly that, right? They are magical workings designed to bring about the change. And I find that working in the kitchen gives me an amazing opportunity to practice spell work every day because I cook every day. Uh, I don't hang out under a full moon every night with a coven of witches, <laughs> although that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's not always practical, but I am in the kitchen every day. So there's always spells that I can do uh, in the kitchen. I'll, uh, I'll tell you a quick one. One of my favorite spells, it actually doesn't have to do with food, but it does have to do uh, with being in the kitchen. So it's very simple. My kitchen floor always needs sweeping. Um, I have a busy household and, you know, I'm chopping up things. There's always a bit of carrot that flies across the room or, you know, something like that. There's always a bit of a mess on the floor. And every now and again, I find myself, uh, you know, maybe I get a, a touch of the blues. I get down. I'm worried about something that's uh, going to happen or I think that might happen. And there's a really simple spell. I take my broom, my kitchen broom, and I open up my back door. And I sweep the floor in a counterclockwise direction. Because what I'm going to do is sweep away my troubles. I'm going to get underneath the dishwasher and that little bit of my kitchen floor that's weird that goes by the stove where things always seem to congregate no matter how many times I sweep there. And I sweep in a counterclockwise direction because I want to dispel. I want to banish away my troubles. And it's interesting. There are so many times when I go into my kitchen and I'm worried about what's going on in the world or in my life or with a friend's life. And I think, what can I do? You know, I'll sweep away my troubles. And all I do is I just sweep them away. And as I do that, I say out loud, I think it's very important that we say these things out loud. I'll say things like, I'm sweeping away my troubles. I'm clearing the cobwebs out of my brain. I'm sweeping away that situation that's vexing me at the moment. And I'll sweep it right out the back door. And then often what I'll do is if I've got some lovely herbs that I really like, um, lavender is my all-time favorite. Um, I even have a big tattoo of lavender on my arm. I love it so very much. I'll often sprinkle lavender, which is associated often with calmness and relaxation and tranquility and ease. I'll sprinkle a little bit of lavender around the kitchen. And if I don't have any lavender, maybe I'll take a, a lavender stick of incense or even one of those little Glade plugins. You know, you can plug that in if it's got lavender and let that replace um, 
what you've swept out. You know, the universe abhors a vacuum. So if I'm sweeping out my troubles, I want to bring in something else. And so if I'm looking for ease or tranquility, I'll sprinkle some lavender around. So being in a kitchen is very easy uh, to do magic. That's one of my one of my favorite and easiest spells that you can do. It sounds lovely, too. It does. It sounds absolutely wonderful. And you know, here's a question for you, Gwen. It seems to me, as I was reading the book, I had the feeling that you know, a lot of spell work, to me anyways, can be can feel kind of mental. And mm-hmm. uh, this way of working with magic, it feels so grounding because of the food element. Yeah. So my sense of it when I was reading is that this is so powerful because it integrates so many elements on so many levels, but it is so grounded. Does that make sense to you when I'm talking it about the ramble on? <laughs> yeah, it really does. And I think about it when we dream, when we write, when we type emails to each other, it all happens inside of our head, right? And that's wonderful, you know, what we think we ultimately become. But we can spend an awful lot of time in our heads imagining things that might happen, worrying about things that might never happen. And it's all very mental. And there is a, there is a big part, a good friend of mine um, has just written a book. Her name is Astraea. Uh, she's written an amazing book called Intuitive Witchcraft. And I think she, she grabs on, on this um, idea as well, that intuition is great, but we do have to make it manifest at some point. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is by making food, is by putting our magical intentions into that cup of tea, into that pie that we're baking, into that really delicious, juicy, sexy um, meal that we're creating for a person who we're falling in love with. And I think if we can make it manifest, I mean, food literally goes in our bodies and then eventually comes out, right? But think about taking the magic inside of you. Every bite, every crunch, every swallow, all of that is taking that magic inside of you uh, and letting it percolate in your body. So I think food magic is exactly what you said. I think it's very grounding because it is embodied. You do magic. You cook the food. You eat the food. You sweep the floor. You put the food inside of you. You do the dishes. All of those things are things that you actually have to do. So, yeah, I think food magic is very much embodied magic. You know, I also feel that when I go shopping and I go to get my produce and I say that I get to a big pile of tomatoes, I kind of let them pick me, you know. Mm-hmm. I kind of go through them, and you, pick, you know what I mean. And and uh, I so I let I let the vegetables and the fruits sort of pick me the same way I would if I was to choose a a crystal, let's say. I let the crystal pick me, and that way I know I'm in the right place. So yeah, it's just like that. So when you take that home, it's like a treasure. When you bring home your produce, you know it, it's like so beautiful, and you smell it, and you look at the color, and you feel it, and just it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. You know, I write my shopping now on, George. What's that? <laughs> I said 
I'm going to let you do my shopping from now on. <laughs> you know, Janet, there's a, a little exercise in, in the book uh, that uh, talks exactly about that, about so many times I think we go into the grocery store or wherever we buy our food, the farmer's market, wherever it is, and we mm-hmm. think, okay, I want, uh, let me say, I want spaghetti for dinner tonight. And so we think, well, okay, well, what goes with spaghetti? Well, I need to get some tomatoes or, you know, whatever the ingredients are. We always think about the things that should go with it. And so we kind of go on autopilot. One of my favorite things to do when I'm working with folks that are interested in changing their relationship to food and doing food magic, so we'll go to the grocery store and I stand in the produce section, exactly like you said, and I say, right, what catches your attention? And it might be that really ripe heirloom tomato. It might be uh, that uh, that really bright Maya lemon, that amazing yellow color. It could be some squash that the produce section mm-hmm. is chopped in half so that you can see what it looks like on the inside. And it's like, great, what would you buy if you could? Just what's the thing that most appeals to you? So you might grab that blood orange and think, this looks amazing. It smells amazing. It's got those deep ruby colors to it. Now, what's the next thing that goes with that right now in the moment? And I sort of, I, the people at my local grocery store know me quite well. And I take forever to buy my groceries because I go in there and I find one thing that fascinates me. And then I walk around the grocery store with this, you know, dragon fruit in my hand or this really amazing collection of mushrooms. And I think, what else in this store is crying out to be eaten with these mushrooms? And uh, that's how I do my grocery shopping. It drives my wife crazy because she's like, can't you just go up and down the aisles like everybody else? No, I wander all over the store. <laughs> but I do agree with yeah. you, George. If you can you know fall in love yeah. with a, a piece of fruit, mm, make that your meal. That's the one you should Heck yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, when I moved to the city, out of the country where produce was just everywhere, um, and, I, and I moved to a city, and I remember standing in front in the in the grocery store doorway, looking in at the place. It was so huge, like a warehouse. And I'm thinking, how am I going to stay healthy? Where do I need to look? And I looked around, and I thought, well, the writing's on the wall. One wall is all produce, and it says it up there on you know, the ceiling, you know, produce. The other one says, you know, dairy. The other one says you know, meat. So I thought, well, all those things are pretty much from, you know, live food. Everything in the middle is all boxed, processed, and reshot, and regurgitated, and, you know, it's dead food. All that stuff in the middle is pretty much dead food. So all, as long as I shopped along the walls, I knew I could stay healthy. That's a, that's a great yeah. way to, to look at a grocery yeah. store. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's also the energy of I mean, you're you're really raising my consciousness a lot with this, Gwen, because I love to go to farmers markets and open air farmers markets and buy things mm-hmm. there. It just feels so much better. However, you know, reality sets in. I live in New England. The farmers markets stop in the fall, and then we're shuttled back and forth from grocery store to grocery store to find the stuff we want. And I don't enjoy it because I can't wait to get the hell out of there. <laughs> I yeah. go in and I'm like, get me out of here. And so now you're helping me to change that perception and to have a different experience 
in the grocery store. And I think I probably need to go to a different grocery store because I get so unhappy in in some of these big marketplaces that it, it just feels weird to be in there and was, all these people. Same thing, you know, it's Trisha. Strange. Yeah, change where we shop to make a difference of what we need. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I usually run in, grab, and leave because I get so confused by it all. Or I will overload and come home with enough for ten people, and there's only one of me. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that yeah. too. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yes, because I I don't enjoy the experience, so I want to stock up so I don't have to go back. So it it really does strip away some of the joy, Guion, that you and George, you guys experience when you go shopping. So this has got to change. Yeah, you'll Take be happy. May that be so. Yeah, may that be so. I we'll also have cook yeah, for my some animals shop. too. <laughs> now, yeah. Guyan, you also have mocktails in your book and other spells. And what are some of your favorites that you want to share with us? <laughs> well, I'll tell you one of my one of my favorite meals that's in the book, or one of my favorite dishes that's in the book, and it's. It's a favorite for a lot of reasons. One, I think it tastes pretty good, so that's always nice. Um, but it's mm. because of what the meal is and where it comes from that I find it particularly magical. And I'll tell you why. And it's something that you can do with different meals, but it is an amazing way to connect back to our ancient ancestors and folks that worshipped or were in conversation with different gods and goddesses and entities. So, several thousand years ago, in what is today modern Iran and Iraq, that part of the world, there used to be the, the kingdom uh, of Suma. And the chief goddess amongst the Sumerians was the, the goddess called Inanna, and she was worshipped for thousands of years. And uh, it, there were some amazing things that the Sumerians would do. The Sumerians are the first folks that created sort of walled cities, and they learned about agriculture, and they began to grow grains. And they did one other very important thing as well, and that is they were the first civilization to write. They developed cuneiform, which was sort of a way of, of stamping uh, symbols. And they wrote about three things. They wrote about transactions. They said that PK owed me three goats, and I owed George two bushels of grain. And then they wrote down the stories of their gods who their gods were and how they worshipped them and what devotions they did for them. And the third thing they wrote down were recipes. And we have in, in Yale University, there are actually several tablets called the Yale tablet. They could have come up with a better name, I think. But these <laughs> tablets that are um, six or 7,000 years old have recipes on them, about 35 recipes. So one of my favorite recipes is called tuhu broth. Now, I don't speak ancient Sumerian, so perhaps that's not exactly the way to pronounce it. 
But two hoo broth is made of with leeks and garlic, very familiar uh, ingredients we might find today. There are some spices that are mixed in that, like cumin and coriander, spices that you can find in a local grocery store today. There's uh, arugula, which is a, a bitter green. And then there's lamb, and then there's a broth. And the broth was made with um, an ancient beer. The Sumerians were quite the brewers. Uh, in fact, uh, some people were even paid in beer. And I think, you know, a culture that will pay you in beer is probably a pretty decent culture in, in the, way, the way I think of things. <laughs> but you, yeah. you, they, would, they would mix in this amazing barley beer into this broth. And then into that, they would put some seared lamb chunks. And they would let it boil and bubble for, oh, about 45 minutes or so. And then you have this lovely thick broth. Now, here's the magical part of that. First of all, imagine this today in wherever you live, in, in New England or California, wherever you are, you can make a meal that people were making four or 5,000 years ago using the exact same ingredients and the exact same cooking process. And if you are someone that is devoted to the goddess Inanna, and many witches and many pagans do form relationships with older gods or other gods. So if you wanted to entertain the goddess Inanna, who is known as the queen of heaven, she was the, the bright star in the sky. You could cook chuhu broth. And the smells that would be in your kitchen are the same smells that would be in the temples that Inanna would recognize. The spices that will perfume your hands will be the exact same spices that the priests and priestesses of Inanna would recognize. And that is a way, if you want to connect back to the, the gods that you worship, cook the foods that they would recognize. I can take tuhu broth, and if we were eating it now, we would be transported thousands of years into the past so that we could enjoy a meal the way Inanna and the followers of Inanna would enjoy it. And if you think about it, if you are someone that loves the god Dionysus, you could make an amazing meal with wines and figs and dates and all manner of exotic and delicious and decadent uh, foods that would bring you close to what it would be like to be part of a Dionysian revel at the time of Saturnalia, which is coming up actually uh, in about a week. So this is incredible, my connect. goodness. Yeah, they can really connect us to our past. And uh, earlier on, George, I think you mentioned this story of um, uh, the, the man that loved his mother so much and was on a boat and saw the word Argentina yes. uh, scribbled there. Now imagine if that man went home and made an Argentinian dish. He went home and made food that his mother loved to cook. And he, it would bring him closer to 
not only his mother of memory, but also the ancestor that she is now, the person or the guardian angel, however you want to look at it. But that right. entity that stands behind him, he can say, Mom, I miss you so much. Here's this meal that you used to make for me. And when I eat it, I'll think of the love that you showed me and the the fun wow. times we had in the kitchen making that. And that's the real magic of food is that it can transport us back in time. It can nourish us and feed us with, you know, healthy herbs and spices, which can be really good for our actual, you know, body, our physiology. Uh, and we can use it as a way to remember those uh, folks that have influenced us, whether they're relatives or dear friends or someone that shared a recipe with us. From somewhere else. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have another guest on the line here that's going to join us. I think you're going to recognize who this is, Guion. Katrina, welcome to the show. Hi, Guion. I'm in your spotlight. Hey, (laughs) Katrina. My goodness. Hey, to go. Speak with you. How are you? Oh, it's a delight. I actually have questions, if I may. Oh, yeah. So I I have two. The first one, now I know a little bit about your background, and so I think this Mm -hmm. is going to be a good one. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten and enjoyed, and what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten and didn't enjoy? (laughs) Boy, that is a great question. You can thank me later for that one. (laughs) Really? Um, So, you know, on social media, you'll see those posts that go around from time to time that say, you know, have you eaten these 50 weird foods? I've eaten, I always eat like 48 or 49 of those foods. So uh, I've eaten quite a few strange things in my time. My goodness. So what's a strange thing that I ate that I really liked? Um, Well, it's not particularly strange, but it's not very common. Um, I like brains, um, you know, the sweet breads, um, I, or sweet meats. I really like them. Um, they're a bit like chicken McNuggets. They're a bit spongy. <laughs> um, and the first time I had them, my, my dad actually gave them to me. He said, try this. And I was like, okay, what's that? And I looked at it and it was a bit odd. And, um, I ate it, and I went, wow, that's really delicious. Bit of an odd consistency, but what is it? And then he said, you're eating brains. And, I, you know, I choked back a little bit, but I really enjoyed them. And um, the, the strange thing that I've eaten that I was not quite as fond as, kind of at the other end of the body, uh, and that is uh, Rocky Mountain Oysters, mm, which not you delicious. may... Yeah, no. you may also know those as testicles. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, if you served them to me, Katrina, I'd eat them. But it probably <laughs> wouldn't be my favorite dish that you'd make me. <laughs> so noted. And I do have what that was one question, by the way. The other question I have is a little more serious. And yeah. my my partner, Shannon McLaren, who's also runs her business out of mine, she's also a healer. And mm. she and I have a working theory that you kind of touched on when you and Patricia were talking about foods and how grounding they are. And that is that we've noticed a lot of our people that are coming in that are really empathic are oh, yeah. having a 
a problem with overeating because it feels like they're eating to ground themselves down. And especially healers that have been working and running a lot of energy, they seem to not have other ways that they can ground other than through eating. Do you have any suggestions for what you would say are the most grounding foods and ways that people can kind of uh, tank that energy down a little bit if they're really riding it high? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, Katrina, practically everybody you talk to, unfortunately, has um, often has some bad relationship to food, whether it was because we were, maybe when we were growing up, we were told that there wasn't enough food or that we should always mm-hmm. finish what's on our plate. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can unintentionally screw up our kids and, and create eating disorders. And I really agree with you that, you know, a lot of folks that are empathic, their, their boundaries are often very expanded and a way to self-soothe to remind themselves that they are their own person, that they're not the problem or the emotional drain of, of everybody else that might be around them that they're connecting to is to eat because it, you know, again, it puts food in your mouth, in your body, you process it. And so it absolutely for empaths can be problematic because eating becomes a way of self-soothing. So I think we have to look at there's real benefit to grounding and using food to ground. And there are some really good ways to do that that don't necessarily develop into an eating habit or a poor eating habit. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing that is really good herbs, um, teas. So, mm-hmm. you know, a tea is basically water, right? And, and, and a, a tisane is, is an herbal tea. So I think for somebody that's empathic, going through the ritual of making a cup of tea, chamomile tea perhaps, if they need to kind of switch off and turn off uh, their sensitivity, you know, a nice cup of chamomile tea will both calm you and potentially allow you to sleep. There are other herbs that might work for different people. Again, I uh, I really love peppermint tea. I find it to really mm-hmm. clear my mind. So I think when we when we drink herbal teas and tisanes and things like that, there is the ability we're drinking water, which is very good for our system. We're putting something in our body with the herbs that have an innate wisdom, but they aren't a quart of haagen right? Ah. Ice cream, <laughs> right? So you're still soothing. You're getting that hot, delicious, I need to take a moment for myself and shut out all of this psychic energy that's coming to me. And a way that I can do that that's healthy for my body is to restore some balance. So there are herbs for balance, herbs for grounding. Um, and then the water, of course, doesn't you know, have a million calories. It's not sweet. It's not filled with sugars and you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really good way of doing it. And what's most important, I think, even if somebody is eating food, is to ritualize it. That moment where we say, okay, you know what, that was a really rough session. Wow, I'm carrying a lot of extra stuff. I do need to eat a bowl of ice cream. Then do it intentionally. Do it consciously. Mm -hmm. Say, I'm getting this ice cream. I'm putting in two scoops, uh, one for me 
and one for the well-being of the person that I was just working with. Um, and I'm going to eat them, and that's it. And then I'm going to go about my day. So, you know, I think there are ways that we can eat consciously. And then there are foods that we can eat that don't necessarily um, uh, reinforce negative habits. But I think the ritual of drinking tea is one of my favorites. I love it. And, you know, I had the honor of previewing Guion's book. And I delightedly gained five pounds reading that book. <laughs> I won't tell just... you how many pounds I gained writing it. <laughs> well, it was just marvelous. And and I, I absolutely adored the take that you presented magically and also the delicious ideas that you gave. It was just, it was a, a decadent read. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Katrina. Thank you so much. Thank you. And George? P.K., Patricia, hi. Love you guys. Hi, how are you? We love you, (laughs) Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us. This is like just a wonderful community tonight that we have here. Thank you. Well, love to you all. And, uh, Guion, give Phoenix a hug for me. I will indeed. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Katrina. Thank you. What a nice gift. Yes, yes, yes. Trust Katrina to ask questions about food I dislike. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a great question. My grandmother was English, and when I was growing up, uh, she used to fix something, steak and kidney pie. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was good as a youngster until I found out what was in it, and then I got scared and I wouldn't eat it anymore. Now I would (laughs) love to have something like that again. I do oh, love a nice steak and kidney pie. <laughs> it was delicious. Now, the, thinking back, it's amazing how good foods used to taste, that if you think about it, you get the name messed up in your head, and it messes up the taste buds as well. Mm-hmm. That's true. Indeed. Yes. Yes. So, Gwion, somebody just texted me and wanted to know about love spells, because I know you do have a some information on that in your book. I do. And you know what? If anyone is going to do any spell, you know, a love spell is a good one to do, right? Who can't use a little bit more love in their life? So I think that that's a a great spell to talk about. So there are lots of ways to do love spells. So I think the one thing that uh, the person that's listening that wants to know about is are we talking about a love spell like hey honey I really love you you make me feel good or are we talking about a love spell that's more like hey come over here you know (laughs) a little bit more of a lusty spell it really depends on what you want to do with your spell Um, what kind of love that you're looking for so uh, I'll tell you one of my favorites Uh, When I'm cooking soups or stews or making sauces, one of the things I love to do with a love spell is I'll make um, what's called, uh, in in French cooking, it's called a bouquet garni. In in magic, you might call it um, a, a, a herb bag. And essentially, what you can do is take herbs that are, 
known to inspire love. So in my case, that might be things like, or maybe dried basil or fresh basil if you've got it, but basil, uh, fennel, oregano, oregano, thyme, uh, a little bit of lemon zest maybe. And you put those in a muslin bag and then you drop that into the soup or the stew that you're making or the sauce if it can be flavored with that. You can even make flavored milks like a nice hot or a warm milk drink. And you can put those spices into the food and they will uh, infuse that meal with love because all of those herbs are helpful. So if there's somebody in your life that you know, maybe you've been in a relationship for a while and you want to add a, a, a rejuvenate that, add a little kick to it, uh, or you want to maintain that love, I think cooking with herbs that are associated with love in every meal is a fantastic way to do that. Now, if we're talking about spicy love, uh, the something you want to get a little heat and a little passion, uh, then you know what color do most people think of when we think of heat and passion and fire and really good, delicious sex? We think of the color red. Definitely. Yeah, what? Yeah, for sure. So. If that's the kind of love that you're looking for or that you want to bring into your life, then eat red foods or serve red foods. And I'll give you a little trick to, to foods. Let's say that you want to have some spicy time in your life. Good foods with red hot spices. So things like cinnamon or red pepper flakes. These are foods that give a little bit of heat. And if what you want to bring into your life is a little bit of heat, then cook with those foods. Serve foods that are red and delicious. And quite frankly, serve foods that are a little bit, um, how do we say, juicy. So maybe uh, you find that beautiful tomato. Now, tomatoes have got lovely round edges, and if you hold a tomato in your hand, they're nice and firm. They've got just a little bit of give. Now, imagine biting into that tomato, not slicing it up into little pieces, but eating it like it was an apple, and then maybe dropping a little bit of chili powder on that exposed, juicy flesh, and then eating that, or better yet, if the person that you want to be a little spicy with is open to it, maybe you feed them that tomato and let them bite into it and then sprinkle some hot spices on that. So if you want to do a love spell and you want to use food, again, depending on the kind of love you're looking for, if it's a little bit of spicy love, some great spicy foods, um, I'll give you another little tip. Whatever it is you're making, say you're making a, a, a nice dish that's um, filled with, uh, maybe it's uh, North African inspired. So you've got flavors like turmeric and cloves and cinnamon and, and uh, some nice warm spices like that. Whenever you're mixing the food, the raw ingredients, get your hands in it. If you want the love that you're looking for to be hands-on, to be full contact, don't stow the spoon. Get your hands in the bowl. Get huh. spices in your fingers and up your arms and really, you know, revel it in. 
get it all over you. I mean, within reason. You don't want to walk out of the <laughs> kitchen covered in chicken. Well, that's my know, secret. Joyce, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you cook? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a very simple cook. Good. But get into the food because if what you want is someone to be engaged with you, somebody to throw their full attentions at you, for the two of you to come together and have a you know, wonderful and wild, tempestuous fare, then that's how you got to cook. you got to mix those spices in with wild abandon. Um, so, you know, I think if someone's looking for love, if you want some nice sweet love, gentle herbs in food every day, hang a bouquet of, of aromatic herbs, put one in the bedroom, put one in the kitchen, maybe make a bouquet of flowers that have got herbs in them that connect you to love. And if you want something a little spicier, um, go for it. <laughs> sounds like fun. It really sounds great. Gosh, yeah, now fun. I'm going to go upstairs and just tear my kitchen apart because I'm so hungry listening to all this. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful thoughts on food upstairs, right? gosh what about money that's the next text question I got is there a way to do a money spell with food oh so many ways so there are all kinds of, of herbs that are connected to um, to wealth and to money so there are things like um, peppermint is often connected. So you can make a peppermint tea or just take some fresh mint and put it in uh, uh, like a, a water container. You know, if you drink water, just put it in the pitcher of water and let that infuse. That's like bringing money to you. There are some traditional spells that you can find. Uh, it's very common, especially in the South. This comes to us from uh, uh, the enslaved peoples that were brought to the United States, you know, several hundred years ago. There's a, a very popular spell of eating uh, black beans on New Year's, right, to bring both mm -hmm. wealth and abundance. Yep. It's a very popular oh. spell. You can look that up. Uh, one of my favorites, you know, I, I am English, and there are some some traditional English foods uh, that I still love to eat. I love ginger cake, cakes made with ginger. Um, mm -hmm. I can eat it all the time. And ginger is a really common um, uh, herb for a, uh, or a, a spice for um, abundance and wealth. And you can mix in others like cinnamon and cloves. They're also associated with, with um, abundance and, and wealth. And so you can make a prosperity cake. You can do that anytime. So if you've got just a few ingredients, a, a little bit of flour, some baking soda, a little bit of salt, maybe some dark brown sugar and molasses and an egg. I mean, that's really all you need. And then some of those nice warm spices, you can make a recipe for uh, prosperity cake. And I think there are good times to do that, right? When the moon is full or becoming full. That's a really good time to do prosperity magic because you want things to grow. Uh, I think um, you can um, you can look at the beginning if you want to get a raise, for instance, if that's part of what your prosperity is. If you want to raise, eat foods, drink teas um, that are associated with money. So maybe you're eating more green foods. We could all use a little bit more green in our life, right? 
right. if it's a prosperity cake and you're using uh, cinnamon and cloves, eat that, you know, take that to work, eat a little bit of cinnamon cake before you go into the boss and ask for a raise. If you're in the kind of company where you can uh, share food, make sure that everybody at the company or the shop that you work at, bring in a little prosperity cake, share the wealth. I'll tell you, you know, probably one of the most important pieces of magic that I ever learned is that the spell must move. The magic must move. It can't just sit on an altar somewhere. Uh, it's got to be active in some way. So you know what? If you want prosperity, wish prosperity for everybody at a company. If the company you work for uh, has a, a fantastic Christmas season, maybe you'll get a little bit bigger bonus or you'll get that raise the next year. So uh, I think prosperity magic can do it all the time. But the key is share it. If you yeah, want prosperity, so make it, eat it, and make share it with someone. Community. Well, Grian, we've got this full moon tonight, just, so if it, we'll be get off the show. We have to right. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, and Grian, this has been just such a wonderful evening. You are one of the very special people that we've been lucky enough to have on our show. We feel so blessed to have you here with us. Thank you so much. Everybody out there, go tell all your friends and your family, go buy this book. It's tremendous. Let's make it a bestseller, The Magic of Food, with our guest, Guion Raven. And I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Carrie, thank you for the blessing that we received you. from you. PK, thank you. George, thank you. And Guion, most of all, thanks to you for your time Definitely. and you. being on the show tonight. It's been great. Thank you so thank much. Thank you I so think- very much. What a great pleasure to be on the show. This was lots of fun. Oh, good. Thank you. Well, you're going to have to come back. You've got two more books coming, and we certainly want you back. And everybody, go buy The Magic of Food. Spread the word. And until next week, when we come back with another great show, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girl. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. That that's it was just wonderful. It was lovely to be on with everybody. Oh, it was fun. Usually we don't have that many people on. It was great that Katrina joined us. That was so neat. She's so, a anyways, I really I love, love your book. I'm, oh yeah, we do too. She's so special. But I really wanna help you spread the word about this book. It's a it's there's something about it that I have to say has caught my attention. I read so many books for the show. But there's something about your book. I really want to see so many people pick it up and read it. I think it will change the world, really. <laughs> so, thank you very much. I I really appreciate that. I had a um, a friend of mine that's a, a magic worker and a healer and a and a psychologist by by his day job, and he said that it, it he never read anything quite like it because it helped him change his relationship to food and a lot of the clients that he works with 
of folks that have eating disorders. And I thought, well, if I can, if I can help one person, you know, that, that's that's worth all the effort of writing the book, right? Well, I think you're going to help a lot of people, and it's there's just so much to the information that you present and you do it in such a great way and I can't wait to try these recipes so I'll get back to you and let you know which ones I'm able to do and what happens this has been just a very exciting show thank you thank you very much again thank everyone for me I really appreciate it I will I will and you take care enjoy the holidays I will. I'm I'm going to rush into my kitchen now and uh, start getting dinner before my wife gets home. <laughs> oh, good for you. Okay, well, enjoy yep. and take care. All righty. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.